Good morning. Great time of worship. I thought you led fantastic, as always, the whole team. Love the viola, the bass. You all seem to be amazing that you can just transfer instruments and amazing, but so great. Um, let's pray together. Father, we ask you to speak to us through your word. Give us hearts to hear what you're saying and spirits to say yes to what you want to reveal to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, I've been reading a book recently that uh, was given to me uh, by Rachel for my birthday. And uh, it's come to Catherine's brother. And um, it's called Surrender to Love. And uh, it's, a, it's a book about surrendering to God's love, funnily enough. I can't recommend this book high enough. I think it's outstandingly good. And um, it's called Surrender to Love by David Benner. You could use it in your quiet times. It's an amazing book about how we come into the presence of God and let his love change our hearts, reveal our true identity of who we are in Christ. It's a fantastic book. And another book I'd like to recommend to you, um, it's called Freedom in Christ. And we've just finished the course that was fantastically led by um, Steve and Miriam and Caroline and Phil. This book is such a good book. Even if you haven't attended the course, if you're struggling with stuff in your life and wanting to know more of God's victory over your life, this is a really, really good book. If you want to come and look at these at the end, uh, by all means do. So I haven't got a little clicker. If we could, there it goes. So um, we're, we're going to be looking today. Uh, by the way, I'd just like to say one other book that means a lot to me, uh, which is this book, the Bible. I, this is my prized possession in life. I find out about Jesus and God in this book. I find out that he loves me, that he's got a plan for my life. I find out just about everything I need to know from this book. And um, I try and read it every day. I highlight stuff that I feel God's speaking to me in it. It's a really, it's a really nice Bible because it's a study Bible and it gives very helpful little commentaries and snippets on what things mean and so forth. If you haven't got a Bible like this, I, I would really strongly encourage you to get one like it. There's lots of varieties, lots of different translations. I like this New King James Version, but get hold of a Bible that you can engage with and um, explore the scriptures as you read them, because Jesus will come alive to you as you do. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, which is... Um, Actually, the subject is called Disciples Overcome. It's another um, message in the theme that we're going through. But ever, as young as I can, I can think back, before I was a Christian, I knew in my heart that I needed to know God. I don't know why I knew that. I look back now and I, I see that it was the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I needed to know God. And it was a deep yearning to know God. And that yearning has not ever left me. 
And when I became a Christian, um, the yearning to know God continues, to know him more deeply. And uh, we're going to read a passage from Joshua, Joshua 1. We're going to pick up from where Caroline left that when the, when the Israelites were about to move into the promised land. And it's a passage that's spoken to me many times in my life and continues to speak to me. Because it's, it's all about possessing the land. And, you know, Joshua was a type of Christ. His name means, the Hebrew name Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. And it's the, the same rendering in the Greek for Jesus. And he's a type of Christ. He, he's leading the Israelites into the promised land. And we look to our leader, Jesus, who leads us into eternal life and how we possess eternal life. If you don't know already, God's plan for your life is that you be conformed to his image. First slide, please. It says in Romans 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He wants God. He wants us to be like his son. That's his plan for our lives. The next slide. Ephesians 2 says the same thing. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So I know this. I, I know that God wants me to be like him. But I see that there are things in my life that don't always match up to the likeness of Christ. Even though I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. Why is that? Well, I, I thought it was important to just point this out to you because if you're going to be looking at a subject called Disciples Overcome, what are we overcoming? And I want to suggest it's everything that keeps us back from our God-given calling and identity in Christ. And we have an enemy who doesn't want us to progress. One Peter five says, "Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour." Ever felt like you've been devoured? I have. It says, "Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same." kind of sufferings. And Jesus said, he says, I, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Other 
renditions say you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He's the one that we follow. So, before we get into looking at what Joshua 1 says, I just wanted to give some background to where the children of Israel found themselves. You remember that God had delivered them from the Egyptians, from slavery to the Egyptians, from Pharaoh. And they crossed the Red Sea and um, messed about a little bit in the sort of lands that followed. And they're moving into the land of Canaan as God promised that he would give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And they get into that place now where they get to the edge where they can look over and see the valley of Jordan and Jericho beyond. And God had told them this is a great place. It's a land full of pomegranates and honey and there's copper in the hills and things like that. It's rich and fertile. And they get to the point where they're about to move in. So they said to Moses, if it pleases you, Moses, let's send out 12 spies into the land of Canaan just to check it out. And he thought, this is a good idea. So they went into the land of Canaan. And they came back. And amongst them was Joshua and Caleb. And they said, it's a great land. We can go in and possess it. But the other ten said, no, it's not. There's too many giants and things in the way. Why have you brought us to this place, Moses? It would have been better if we'd stayed where we are. You ever felt like... um, Christian life might have been better if I stayed where I was. It's not really working out for me like I planned. Because you're not alone if you've ever felt like that. The Christian life is about our journey of getting to know God, the Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to know his love. And when you encounter the love of God, when I encounter the love of God, it transforms me and changes my life. And Jesus said, the thief has come in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. That's his plan. He's a good father. As we've just been singing, he's a good, good father. Not once has he ever let you or me down. Not once. Not even one millimeter of a second has he ever let us down. But if we're honest, 
Our belief and our experience don't always match. So before we look at Joshua, I just want to look at the reasons why the children of Israel, when they got to the edge, didn't move into the promised land. And you know the story, if you know your Bible, which is that not only didn't they move in, but it so upset God that he said, apart from Joshua and Caleb, this generation will not move into the promised land. You will spend the rest of your time in the wilderness. And so the generation that moved in was a completely new generation. And we have the scriptures to help us to learn what pleases God's heart. I would like to suggest that two reasons why they didn't move in. The first is that, is that they had a wrong view of themselves. And the second reason is, is that they had a wrong view of God. Let's look at that first one. It says, if you know your Bible, Deuteronomy is all about preparation of moving in, into the promised land. It says in Deuteronomy 1.26, they, the children of Israel, rebelled against the command of the Lord. Can I just say, um, you know, the scriptures, when, they speak, when God's word speaks to our heart, he speaks to us because actually his heart is to bring restoration and love. He's looking for connection. He's never looking for disconnection. The word is always to bring connection to our hearts. And so if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, as I'm speaking to you today, and you find emotions rising up within you, or thoughts, and you think, where did that come from? Don't push that down. Because it's probably God trying to speak to you. So it says they rebelled. It says elsewhere in the scriptures that rebellion is like witchcraft. Have you, have you ever rebelled or do you sense that you're rebelling now against something that God has asked you to do? Because if you're, if you're going to overcome, we have to face this issue of rebellion. And what rebellion says is that I know better than you, God. Why have you brought us to this place? It would have been better for us to stay where we are. And along the way, we pick up these wounds, these deep-seated wounds, not necessarily because we've done anything wrong, but just because of the atmosphere and the environment, the family that we're living in. And they wanted to regain, to retain control of their lives. I know better. I will be the captain of my ship. And worse than that, it can be like a cover-up 
so that I've become a Christian, but this is as far as I go, God. I'm not sure whether I can let you into the rest of my life. It might be that you don't even think that you're like that. I went through many years thinking I'd got it all together, and it's only as I've got older and wiser that I realize I was a long way off having it all together. And by the grace of God, he's begun to open my eyes to my failings, because we don't come to God with our successes, as Jeev said. We come to him as we are, with our wounds and hurts and brokenness. And if you're trying to cover that up, that's a hard job. Been in that position, that's a very hard job. And it's tiring. And it sucks the life out of you. And most likely, it sucks the life out of those around you as well. Listen to what, um, what David Benner says in this book. He says, um, Genuine transformation requires vulnerability. It's not the fact of being loved unconditionally that is life-changing. It is the risky experience of allowing myself to be loved unconditionally. Paradoxically, no one can change until they first accept themselves as they are. Self-deceptions and an absence of real vulnerability block any any meaningful transformation. It's only when I accept who I am that I dare to show you that self in all its vulnerability and nakedness. Only then do I have the opportunity to receive your love in a manner that makes a genuine difference. This applies equally to God's love and the love of other people. A willingness to receive the love of God and others without earning it is at the heart of both psychological and spiritual growth. He suggests it is foolish to move in this fearful direction unless you are motivated by a private yearning for the presence of God, unless you sense the aching deficit within you that cannot be made right by clever maneuvers. If you can believe that you've got it made or that the good life is just ahead of you, forget transformation and scrap the Christian faith. Daring to accept myself and receive love for who I am in my nakedness and vulnerability is the indispensable precondition for genuine transformation. But make no mistake about just how difficult this is. Everything within me wants to show my best pretend self to both other people and God. He calls this my false self, the self of my own making. He says this self can never be transformed because it is never willing to receive love in vulnerability. When this pretend Self receives love. It simply becomes stronger and I am more deeply in bondage to my false ways of living. I learned that growing up. I learned because my mum and dad, I I don't ever remember my mum and dad being happy in their marriage. And I learned to be fearful from a young age that my mom would some, one day live, uh, leave our family home. 
It was a deeply ingrained fear within me. And I learned the lie that if I could be good enough, I would give her reason to stay. And so I took it upon myself to do chores. And obviously, there's nothing wrong with doing chores and stuff like that. But the, the motivation behind it was, I need to earn my mom's love to make sure she stays in our family. So I would clean the potatoes. I would do the hoovering. I worked hard at school. I was driven to be successful, to, to put on this image. And she would even say to me sometimes, what's wrong with you? What's, you know, what, what are you thinking about? And of course, I couldn't give the lie away that I'm longing for you not to leave. And I carried that. These habits that we pick up, these patterns of behavior that we pick up, often in childhood, are difficult to eradicate. And when we become Christians, we often still carry these patterns of behavior. And I carried this pattern of behavior into my first married marriage. And from day one on our honeymoon, my first wife would say to me, I don't love you. Why did I ever get married to you? I heard that many times throughout the 10 years of being married to her. And I thought, if I can just try harder, she will love me. And I did. I tried really, really hard. People would look on and think, you're the model husband. <coughs> but can you see the lie that comes in? Because if there was any response, she was responding with love to the lie that I was trying harder. And all that did was to enforce, if I keep trying harder and harder, I will be loved. And the same pattern happened in my relationship with God. If I could just be as good as I can, try harder, God will love me. And I carried it into our, my second marriage, my, my only marriage now to my beloved. <laughs> and... Um, My second marriage is not like my first marriage. She loved the socks off me. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. When, when, uh, literally, my first wife didn't touch me. My second wife touched me. It was wonderful. But after a while, um, I began to realize I was still craving the love of God deep in my heart. 
long to know the love of God. And God met many of my needs through Kim, but she is not God. And I am not God to her. There is no substitute for us coming to God in our own relationship. It's the love of God when we come with our vulnerability and shame that transforms us, heals us, gives us our true identity as a son and a daughter of God. And the second where um, is that they had a wrong belief about God. I've got this here somewhere. They said to him, they complained in their tents, and they said, because the Lord hates us, Excuse me? Because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt and delivered us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Most people who rebel complain. They believe the lie that God didn't love them. And this enforced the belief that they should have control over their lives. And at the root of control is fear. John says, perfect love casts out fear because fear has everything to do with punishment and torment. Fear comes from the enemy. It doesn't come from God. Our, God, our job is to know the love of God. Encounter the love of God and let his love change us. Scriptures say, if you don't know how to love, you don't know God. For God is love. That's his heart, to change you and me. To be like Jesus so that we love. We love. We love one another. We love those that don't know him. We love God. At the root of this fear was, uh, or retaining control of the, uh, over their lives was fear. They said, the people are greater and taller than us. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. We have seen the sons of Anakim. That's not Anakim Skywalker. That's <laughs> Those are giants in the land. Question. Will God love me if I come naked and vulnerable to him? There was a man full of leprosy Leprosy in the Old Testament was any skin disease, but it included the disease that um, ate away your flesh, where you lost fingers and ears and stuff. 
And the Jews had a great thing in the law, which, which was to quarantine people with leprosy. And you, you were quarantined for a week and you come back and see the priest. And so that would keep being so that you, you wouldn't cause an infection to other people. But it got taken to an extent where if you had leprosy, you were believed to be a sinner. Defiled, unclean. And if the complaint didn't clear up, you were put outside the camp. And if anyone came to you, you had to say, unclean, unclean. Don't come near me, I'm defiled. Just put yourself in the place of someone with leprosy. It's, not, it's actually not that difficult to do. This man, full of leprosy. He came to Jesus. He fell on his face before him. He's hugely courageous. And he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said to him, I am willing. I am willing. Be cleansed. He touched him. Became completely clean. Restored. Completely restored. All his shame, all the defilement and uncleanliness was taken away. He told him to go and see the priest and give the sacrifice that went with it. And don't tell anyone. But how could he not? He's now been made clean. He went and told everyone. And so many people came to Jesus that he, Jesus just had to get away from them because he never got a moment's peace on his own. He said he would just get up early and, and go off into the wilderness to pray. Because that's what the love of God does. When the love of God comes and makes you clean, restores you, you have to tell someone about it. That's the plan. That's the gospel message right there. It's taking a bit long, but let's just quickly read this passage. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land that I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Does this sound familiar? Be strong and courageous. 
because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate in it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If we're not happy, if we know that something's missing, if we are to overcome our wrongly held view of self or wrongly held view of God, you need to step out. It might have not missed your attention but that when you become a Christian, although your sins are completely forgiven, God doesn't wipe everything clean. He didn't kill all the people in the land of Canaan and said, go in and, and, and make, your, make yourself at home. It requires our cooperation to move with him. It takes courage, huge courage, which is what Joshua was saying to the Israelites. We need, we need to step out of this land now and move into the land which, in which we will encounter difficulties, but we're going to possess this land. We're going to possess these fears. These fears are no longer going to hold us. We're not going to be controlled by these fears any longer. We're going to take them in the name of Jesus. If you're waiting for him to act, and then you'll act, you're going to wait a long time. He wants our cooperation. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And he's looking for yours and my cooperation to repossess the land that the enemy has taken from us. Time has come to a close, but I just want to say, this word exposes in us everything where God wants to put his hand on us. That's why it's so precious. The word becomes alive. Jesus, you know, Jesus is the word. He speaks to us by his Holy Spirit through these, word, through these words. We learned just through the last few weeks in Freedom in Christ, they, they have this thing called stronghold busting, which you ident where you identify the lie. Kim and I are doing one together, and um, she said, let's do that filibuster. That, <laughs> so I said, filibuster? She said, what's that? I said, you just said it. 
just had a, I, I didn't. <laughs> a filibuster is when the parliament, when they, when they just talk forever to stop a bill going through. <laughs> We're talking about strongholds in our lives. If we identify a stronghold, this, is, this book's so helpful because we, we identify the lie and then we find the scriptures that speak to the lie, that bring truth. So we, we speak out the scriptures, we renounce the lie and we announce the truth of God's word over our lives. And it Evidence shows that if you do it for long enough, the suggestion is for 40 days, that you can change your pattern of thinking and behavior over a period of about 40 days if we keep confessing the word over our lives. So at the moment, we're doing one over comfort eating and a capacity to turn to alcohol when we're looking for comfort rather than God. Finally, did you notice that it was the children of Israel that moved into the promised land? Just, I just want to say that working out the truths of the scriptures in our lives, we do quietly in our own lives, but it works itself out in community. So that you get to know the true me with my failings and flaws. And I get to know you. And you will know, even with your failings and flaws, that I am going to love you. I'm not going to reject you. Nothing that you are going to do is going to change the way that I think about you or love you. Because that's the love of God. That's how he loves us. Should we stand? So today, if you, if you know that God's been speaking to you, Why don't you just come and get some prayer at the end? Just, uh, just as a demonstration to God, Lord, I'm taking the step today with you to deal with this stuff in my life. I want to know you. God, I want to know you. I so long to know more of you, Jesus. I want you to know me, all my failings, the flaws in my life, I want to go to such depths of intimacy and encounter with you. And I know that you want that for me, that you want to meet me and walk so closely and intimately like Jesus did with the Father. So we say yes to you, Lord Jesus. We say yes today. We ask you to come and have your way. As we've sung and prayed, we ask that your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your amazing love. Thank you that your perfect love casts out fear. Amen.